Good morning. So I say this to newcomers from time to time, but I'm just going to tell you this. If I'm going to ask you periodically during the message if you're having fun, and if you're not, we're going to start over. So we might be here for a long time if you're not having fun, right? Okay, so uh, I hope you enjoy yourself, and otherwise we'll be here for a long time, and I have some football to watch this afternoon, so please have fun, okay? All right, there we go. So we are continuing in our series, Stretch, and so let me explain what Stretch is all about. Stretch is a series that is designed to help you experience God in a deeper way. We're trying to give you a greater capacity really to understand who God is, to apply him to your life and allow his work to happen inside of you. That's the premise of stretch. And today we come to the idea of compassion. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to say this up front and then I'm going to say it at the end again. I'm going to tell you there are two great ways that I am like God. When, when this happens, I am like God. When I have compassion on people who are suffering and when I give in a, in a generous and unbiased way, those two ways reflect the heart of God. And it increases, those disciplines allow me to increase my ability to experience God. So let's just jump right into compassion today. And uh, so I wanna start by just giving you a verse of scripture. So when God reveals himself to Moses, remember that story? When God reveals himself to Moses and tells Moses who he is, in Exodus chapter number 34 and verse number 6, this is what we read. This is how God introduces himself to Moses. He says, Yahweh, that's God's personal name. That is, God has a personal name. It is Yahweh. Yahweh literally means, translated literally means, I am that I am, the self-existent one. So this is God's introduction to Moses. He says, Yahweh, the Lord, now watch this, the God of compassion and mercy. Now just let that soak in. When God is introducing himself to Moses, he says to Moses, if you want to know who I am, I am the God of compassion. Now that is huge for you and I to really understand how God introduces himself to Moses. Now we see what God really wants. If you and I are to reflect God, then you and I have got to learn how to reflect compassion in our own lives. He then says, I am slow to anger and filled, <clears throat> excuse me, with unfailing love and faithfulness. So here's this God of compassion. So the question then is, is what is compassion? When you think of compassion, there's a lot of confusion about what the word literally means. So let me see if we can just take a few minutes and dive into this word just a bit and understand what it literally means. Compassion is a deep awareness of suffering of someone else with a desire to take action. There are two elements to compassion. There is a deep sense of emotion that's associated with it, but that's only half of it. Oftentimes, we get Stop there. The second half of compassion is that it moves me. I have such a compelling awareness of someone's suffering that I have to take action. See, when I, when I know that I'm having compassion, I'm just going to tell you how I know it. And that is simply this. When something wrecks me, when something just undoes, undoes me, that, that I'm just wrecked by it, I know that God is moving in some way, in some fashion, in some power. So compassion is very important. The word translated in, in our text today, the word 
compassion, is translated from a Hebrew word. Literally, the Hebrew word is racham, and it is a tender word. In Hebrew, it could have been, Moses could have chosen any word to use here, but the reality is, is racham is the word that is used, and this is a, this is a word for tenderness. In fact, the root is the word, the, the root word means the womb. So when you put all that together, in other words, God has a maternal feeling towards his people. When, when people are experiencing suffering, just like a mother is going to respond to suffering, God has this maternal instinct to respond to your suffering. Anybody here acquainted with suffering in your life? Struggles? Well, here's how God responds. God responds with this sense of tenderness to that. He is compelled. And I'm going to go as far as to say it wrecks God when he sees his people suffer. That's why he took action in sending his only begotten son into the world so that you and I could be rescued. So let me just stop there for just a minute because I want to make sure that we all understand the nature of salvation. So we're talking about this, the subject matter of compassion today, but I want you to know that compassion doesn't save you. Compassion doesn't save you. It's not that if you d develop a greater compassion, then somehow God's going to look down and go, oh, that's awesome, that's good, you're in. That's not how it works. God sees you in your sinful condition, responds to you. God was wrecked in heaven over your sinful condition, so he sent his only begotten son to die on your behalf. Salvation only happens in your life when you believe on Jesus whom God has sent. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. So today, if you don't have a relationship to Jesus, you have not yet entered the faith life. That's where it begins. So now back to compassion. Once I enter that faith life, I'm supposed to start reflecting who God is. And who God is at the core of his nature is a compassionate and loving God that has maternal instincts towards his people. Watch this. In Isaiah chapter 49, Isaiah writes this and he says, can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? And the implied answer in that text is rarely. It's probably possible, but it's rare to happen, right? And then he goes on, surely they may forget and I will not forget you. As a mother will not forget her suffering child, I will not forget you. That's the compassion that God has towards you, and that's the compassion that God wants you and I to have for anyone who is suffering along this life. So as I learn to walk in life, I've got to learn how to, to see the way God sees. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, an old dead guy, says this, we must learn to regard people less in light of what they do or omit to do and more in light of what they suffer. If I'm like God, I see your suffering. I see you in your suffering. The more I am like God and the more you are like God, the more you see people in their suffering. And that's really such an important concept. And, and I'm going to suggest that... Uh, you and I live in an age where compassion is not on the forefront of people's minds, right? 
When we see people, see people walking down the street, we don't naturally think, I wonder what their suffering is. I think more, more than likely, we probably judge them by what kind of clothes they have on, if they're driving a car, what kind of car they drive, if they're driving through a neighborhood, what kind of house they live. We don't see people in their suffering. <clears throat> Excuse me, but if we're going to be like God, you and I have to learn to live that way, to change that, to have that discipline in our life. Aren't you glad that God has had, had compassion on you? Now, that was weak, man. Are you having fun yet? All right, okay, so aren't you glad that God has had compassion on you? That's better, amen, yes. And aren't you glad that you're going to learn how to have compassion on others? Amen, right? Not natural, not normal. You know, if I do what, what is natural to me, oftentimes I'm hard-hearted. You know, I'm judgmental. And I'm guessing you're like me if I do what's natural. But when I'm being filled by the Holy Spirit, and how I know I'm being filled with the Holy Spirit is when I begin to see people the way Jesus sees people. So we've got to learn this discipline of learning what it means to have compassion in our life. I read this week about this judge that, uh, you know, um, was actually was the district attorney and she was cross-examining this person who had committed murder as a woman who had committed murder. And she had poisoned her husband. And she had taken some poison, put it in his coffee. And he drank it and died and now she's on trial for murder. And uh, the district attorney is is asking that this, now we're at the, the, the person's already been convicted, now we're at the sentencing part, and the district attorney asked this person who had committed murder, didn't you feel anything? You're watching your husband drink his last cup of coffee. Didn't you think of anything or feel anything in your heart? And she says, well, not on the first cup. I did feel a little bit when he drank, the, when he asked for the second cup. I mean, I'm just saying that's where culture is. That's where culture is. Now, let's talk about Jesus. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, <clears throat> let's, take a look into, let's take a look into the life of Jesus. So this is what it says. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And now watch this. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So do you see how Jesus sees? As he's traveling about, he doesn't just see crowds. He looks into the crowds and he sees sheep. And when he sees those sheep, he sees them as helpless and confused. Jesus feels this compassion. So he has, Jesus has compassion for the scattered, for the sinning, for the sick, for the suffering. And what all of those, all of those people have in common, all those, what that has in common is the idea of struggle. Here's what I've noticed. 67 years on this planet. And I'm going to tell you, I haven't had one year yet, one year yet without some form of struggle. Have you? This planet is noted for struggling. And so how do we deal with that? 
What, was, what should be our response? How should we help others in their struggle? The answer is, if I'm going to be like Jesus, and the reason I want to be like Jesus is because I want to have a greater capacity to experience God, if I'm going to do that, then I have to have the discipline of compassion in my life. So let's have, <clears throat> excuse me, a little bit of fun with this. So I want you to imagine that you fall into a hole. You're in a hole, 10 feet deep, can't get out. Steep walls, no ladder, you're in the hole. So this religious Pharisee walks by and says to you, looks down in the hole, looks over his glasses at you and says, only bad people fall in holes. Now, what would you think, right? You're saying, get me out of here because I'm going to tell you a thing or two here. Then a motivational speaker comes by, looks in the hole and says, just positively profess that you are no longer in the hole and you'll be out. And you're going, yeah, right. Someone else says to you, you are destined to fall in that hole. I mean, God's in control of everything. God must want you in the hole, right? And then a pessimist comes along, an optimist comes along and says, worst things could ha have happened to you. A pessimist says, you think the hole is bad now? Wait till it rains. <laughs> and a self-esteem therapist says, uh, believe in yourself, say your affirmations, and you'll get out. Jesus comes by, reaches down and grabs you by the hand and pulls you out of the hole. Who do you want pulling you out of the hole, Jesus or the, the pessimist? I want Jesus, right? And why does Jesus do that? Because Jesus has compassion on people who are in holes. And we fall into them all the time, don't we? And so this is such an amazing talk, topic. When you start looking at what the Bible says about compassion, it is everywhere, Old Testament and New Testament. So I want to answer two questions today. The first question is simply this. What does compassion look like? You say, okay, I want to have compassion in my life. What does it look like? So I'm not going to give you some definitions. I'm going to give you some word pictures that can help you understand and maybe wrap your mind around the idea of compassion. You having fun yet? All right, good, because I've got that football game to go to a little later. So let's all have fun. So number one, here's the first picture that I want you to see. How many of you have seen the movie The Upside? You know, it's a pretty famous movie. It was in the theaters about a year ago. You can, you can get it on Netflix. I would recommend the movie. It is really an amazing movie about a true story. So the story's premise, and I'm sure that Hollywood has taken some, some liberties here, but the premise around this movie is that there is this felon, gets out of jail, and his probation officer pressures him to, to apply for so many jobs every week. And if he doesn't, he gets thrown back in jail. So this guy reads in the newspaper about a job of someone who has had an accident who's paralyzed from the neck down as a caretaker. So he's thinking to himself, I'm surely not going to get this job. I'm just, he doesn't care about getting a job. He just wants to stay out of jail. True story. So he goes and he's obnoxious at the interview and the guy hires him. And the whole story then, the whole storyline 
over the next hour and a half is about how this felon starts to have mother-like tendencies towards this guy in the wheelchair. Compassion. It's an amazing picture of compassion. I'd recommend the movie. I don't know. I, there's probably a lot of cussing in it. I don't know. But the premise is amazing. Now, let me give you another word picture that maybe some of the men can relate to here. So about two weeks ago, first of all, I have to do a disclosure here. I hate the Dallas Cowboys. Okay, I'm just saying, saying, got that off my chest here. And I'm not a Cowboys fan. I mean, hate's a strong word. Jesus wouldn't use that word about the Dallas Cowboys, so maybe I shouldn't either. So I have this strong distaste in my mouth for the Cowboys, okay? <clears throat> so, but I love Dak, the quarterback. About two weeks ago, he was playing, minding his own business on the football field, and he breaks his leg. I don't know if you saw it. It was horrendous. I was watching the game, rooting for the other team, the Giants, and, and he breaks his leg, and his leg goes perpendicular. His, his foot goes perpendicular to his leg. And I'm going, I almost throw up in my mouth. It was, I mean, it was really, it was really horrible. So I, let's look at this next slide here. That's him uh, as he's being carted off the field. I want you to notice who's around him. That's the enemy. That's a giant who came over to give him comfort. Isn't that interesting? He had compassion. He had compassion when he saw the injury. When people are suffering, when people are suffering, compassion is when I have this deep desire inside of me to do whatever I can to take away the pain, to help them, to rescue them. That's the idea of compassion. And again, there are two ways that I am like God, the most in. When I'm compassionate, I am the most like God. And when I am generous, because God is the most generous being in the universe. So that's such an, a, a powerful picture of compassion. Now, having said that, I want to talk to you for the remaining time that we have together about four decisions that you have to make every day if you're going to be compassionate. Every day, four decisions. You've got to get up and make these four decisions. And you don't have to make them. God is not going to force you. But I'm going to tell you, the opposite of being compassionate is being hard-hearted. And when I'm hard-hearted, I don't have a capacity to receive and flow with the power of God. So compassion is a big deal here, right? You get that? You having fun? All right. Compassion is a big deal here. So the first decision that I have to make if I'm going to be compassionate is simply this. This is going to surprise some of you. I have to make the decision to be dangerous and not safe. Most of the time, we set out in our life, our mothers taught us this, when we went out the door, be safe, right? Well, here's what Jesus says when he sends us out the door. He says, be dangerous. Go out there and be dangerous because the reality is, is that I'm, if I, as long as I am sitting in my safety zone, I will never have an effect on other people's lives. I got to step out and be dangerous. 
It's not for wimps. Compassion, although we talked about it as a motherly concept, let me say this to you very carefully. Compassion is not for wimps. It's for people who will choose a dangerous lifestyle. A life that says, I don't care. A life, when I'm driving down the freeway and I see somebody broken down, a life that says, I'm gonna be dangerous enough to stop. My mother told me not to. I'm gonna be dangerous enough to stop and say, can I help you? That's compassion. Compassion is when I feel for someone's struggle and I actually take action. You with me so far? Awesome. You're getting this a lot better than the first service did. So just saying. The second decision is that I have to be real and not religious. That's the second decision. Everyday decision, dangerous, not safe, real, not religious. So what do I mean by that? So let me show you the difference here. Religious acts are normally done to impress either God or somebody else. That's a religious act. If I'm going to be compassionate, the kind of compassion that Jesus is looking for, the kind of compassion that he wants to develop inside of my life, what I have to do is I have to learn the idea of not impressing God or anybody else. So I just do it for the sake of do it. I do it in secret. I don't brag about it. I don't tell God I did it. Hey, God, did you notice that I did this today? I don't tell anybody. I just do it. I'm not in it to impress anybody. Religion is all about trying to impress. It's my actions. Look, God, look what I'm doing. That's religion. Being real is walking it out like Jesus walked it out. That's real. The third decision that I have to make, and by the way, uh, these are all hard, but this next one is really hard in our culture, and that is simply this. I've got to make the decision to be intentional and not rushed. So let me say, say this to you. We miss out on so many opportunities on the way to somewhere else. Let that sink in. So when you get out of church today, you're going to be on your way to someone somewhere else, right? Maybe to a restaurant. Maybe, maybe home to watch a football game. Maybe home to take a nap. I don't know where you're going. You know, as far as I know, you're going to rob a bank. I don't know. I don't know where you're going. I don't know. You're all wearing masks. I don't know. <clears throat> so, but you're going somewhere, right? You're going somewhere. And that's what life is about in America, is we're all going somewhere really fast. And when someone gets in our way, we lay on our horns, right? Get out of my way. Or we give them this gesture with our middle finger. Because you're in my way. Because I'm on a mission to get wherever I'm getting. But what I fail to understand is the mission that God send us, sends us on is all people. It's always people. It's always people. And most of the time, when God has an opportunity for me, it's at the most inconvenient time of my schedule. I mean, God didn't, doesn't consult with me. Does he do you? God doesn't say, hey, Dan, I would like to make an appointment with you uh, for next Tuesday at 9 o'clock. I have somebody I want you to help. That's not how it works. 
It's just boom, it's right there. And I have to make a decision. Is my mission more important than stopping right now and having compassion on somebody? That's how compassion works. It's how it shows itself. So what I have to do every day is make the daily decision that I am not going to rush anywhere. That I'm going to be on God's timing and not mine. And that I'm, I'm going to, that on my journey, I'm going to have eyes wide open for that person who needs my touch. My mouth, my words, my whatever. My help. That's compassion. But for me to do that, I've got to recognize, and I, I'm going I'm to guess, this is probably an educated guess, I'll bet you lunch this week. I'll bet you lunch this week that you passed up without knowing it four to five people this week that God might have wanted you to stop and see, to notice, to have compassion on. I'm guessing, but it's a pretty, I, I, I think I have the odds in my favor. I think I'd win this bet that you drove right past, ran right past, rushed right past somebody to whom God wanted you to be his ambassador for. So this, this, is tough to, this is tough stuff. I can't be a wimp. I've got, to, I've got to be intentional with what I do. And when I am, I'm a blessing, not a problem. And a blessing is when I have the opportunity to do good and then I do it. That's how I bless people. Then there's a fourth decision. And that fourth decision is simply this, is that you act without delay. I've got to make a decision that when I see it, when my heart is stirred, that I'm going to act without delay. You just don't feel compassion. You act on it. So I want to end with this story. True story. It's about a paper boy. His name is Greg Daly. He lives back in the Midwest. And he was on his route throwing his papers like paper boys do every day. And one day, a little old lady, older lady, my age, came walking down the sidewalk and says to Greg, do you think that you could throw the newspaper up closer to my front porch because it's really hard for me to walk down and get the newspaper? I have arthritis and it hurts. Do you think you could just throw the newspaper closer to my door? And he thought about it for a few minutes and he said, sure, I think I can do that. And then he went home and he thought about it even more and he said, I wonder how many more people on my route it's just hard to walk down to the end of the sidewalk because of whatever issue. It's just hard to walk down to the end of the sidewalk. I wonder if there's other things that I could do to help. So that week, on his delivery route, he wrote a note and put it in every paper and uh, made sure he tossed it, every single one of them, to the front porch. And he says, and th this is a recent story, it's a COVID story. And uh, so he also put this note and said, oh, and by the way, if you need help with your groceries, I'm your guy. 
I mean, God, 100 people contacted him for help with their groceries. 100 people on his route. 100 people that he had rushed by for how, who knows how long, just rushed by, ran by. I don't know how he delivered his papers in a car, in a bike, I don't know. But he rushed past people who had genuine need of help until he made a decision to act and not delay. What about you? What about you? What does God have for you? And here's what I know. I'll say this one more time. This is what I know for sure. I don't know very many things for sure. But this is what I know for sure. I am most like God. When I have compassion. And I act. And I am most like God when I'm generous with my time and my talent and my resources. I am the most like God. And every time I act that way, I just increase my capacity to experience God. And that's what our goal is, right? That's what we want. That's what you want. I think that's why you're in church today. It's why you're watching online. Is that you want to increase your capacity to experience and understand and know God. And so I'm telling you the way you do that is that you learn the discipline of slowing your life down for the purposes of just being compassionate. Double dog dare you. Double dog dare you to say, God, that's what I want in my life. I double dog dare you to just say to God, teach me to be compassionate. And just watch what God does. Because God is the most compassionate being in the universe. And he's looking for his children to be like him. And you can be like Jesus today in the parking lot as you're leaving in the store this week, on your job, on your way to your job. You can be compassionate no matter where you're at. And the opposite is is a hard heart. You don't want a hard heart because when you harden your heart, you limit what God will do inside of your life. Does that make sense? Man, this is important stuff. This is big stuff. This is life-changing stuff. Compassion. And my prayer for you is just simply this, is that whatever you do, wherever you go, that you'll be filled with the God of compassion and you'll recognize his work in your life and you're willing to do that work in other people's lives. And there are a lot of people that call themselves Christians. There are few that walk it out every day in the footsteps of Jesus. May that not be said of you. May you be a person of compassion. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're going to do. I have just a couple more things to say uh, as we conclude today because uh, I, I really have to be somewhere. So 
So I'm just kidding. I don't. I don't. I have, I have, a, I have a DVR at my house. So a couple things I want to, as we dismiss, there are several things you need to hear me say. One is that we have a seven-minute meeting for newcomers, new people here at Grace. It's both online. If, if you're online today, if you'll just watch and hang in there for just a few minutes, somebody will be with you in just a few minutes. And then if you're here on campus, uh, if you in the foyer today, if you'll look for a seven-minute sign, uh, it'll be ha- happening in about five minutes after the services. And uh, you'll get to, you'll have the unfortunate thing of meeting me and, uh, and I can answer some questions and we'll kind of give you some big picture stuff at Grace Church. And then, and then uh, next week, God bless this. This is awesome. This is awesome news. Next week is daylight savings, which means that you get an extra hour of sleep next week. Next week, an extra hour. Isn't God good? Isn't God good? That's amazing, isn't it? Now, having said that, because God's giving you an extra hour of sleep, I expect you back next weekend, okay? I'm just expecting you to be back next week and give you an extra hour of sleep. Is that a deal? All right. God bless you. See you next weekend.